Good morning, Fish Roy. Welcome to Sunday Worship. Our call to worship this morning is from the sounds. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hello, Fitzroy. It's so good to be with you today and to welcome you to worship. Most of you, I think, will know who I am, but if you don't, my name's Paul. Um, those are my two children, Esther and Daniel, who welcomed you just a moment ago. And my wife, Emma, will be taking part in the service a little bit later, just to complete the set of the Lutton clan. It's a real delight for me to be able to, to lead worship this morning or today. We have really, really missed being at Fitzroy. It's hard to believe that it's been almost half a year since we were able to gather together as a church family. And I think it's a little bit sad for Emma and I because we realise that when you're all able to gather together again, we won't be able to gather with you. And that's because, as most of you know, we've now moved on to our new church as part of my training for ministry. I've just been uh, just become the student assistant minister at Kirkpatrick Memorial, which has been a really great experience to, to be a part of a, a new staff team and a new church to get to know people there. But it's also been quite strange and frustrating because obviously we're not able to gather together the way we normally would. So it's been lovely for us in a way to have these online services at Fitzroy. We've been double churching. We've been watching our services and taking part in our services in Kirkpatrick, but also checking in with our family at Fitzroy as well. It's been such a blessing to us. And I just wanted at the start of the service to say a big thank you to Steve and to all those who've helped make these services possible. I hope today you'll find our service a blessing and an encouragement. We're going to be thinking a little bit about a psalm. Over this summer, I've been preaching through psalms of ascent. And as I've been reflecting on those psalms, I've been really challenged by this idea of pilgrimage and thinking about the Christian life as a pilgrimage. And in particular, I think pilgrimage in this time of, of lockdown that we're in or coming out of or whatever stage we're at. And so we're going to be thinking a little bit about that this morning, today, I should say. But we'll get to that in a moment. Let me begin first by reading some very familiar words from these Psalms of Ascent. Those 15 Psalms um, that the ancient Israelites would have sung together as they pilgrimaged towards Jerusalem. Probably the, the best known of them is Psalm 121. I just want to read the first couple of verses from that Psalm with you now as it leads us into prayer. And as we pray this morning, feel very welcome to let your eyes fall shut, as Steve often says. But I wonder if I might challenge you to do it a little bit differently today and keep your eyes open. Look at your screen because we're gonna, I'm going to show some pictures of, of mountains in the background. And it might help as you, you focus on those mountains just to connect a little bit with um, the psalm and with the words of the prayer as we as we listen for God's voice. So let me read these words to you now. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Heavenly Father, the psalmist says that you are the maker of heaven and earth. As I sit here on the Black Mountain, looking down over the city of Belfast, with the magnificent mountains of Morn silhouetted in the background. I'm reminded just of the truth of those words, that everything we see is a gift from you. Lord, over the past months we've had opportunities to explore the beauty of creation all around us. Whether it's been more time spent in our back gardens, at a local park, on a hike up the morns, or a visit to the beach. Lord, this has been a time to stop and to look and to pay attention to the beauty of nature all around us. And so we thank you this morning for this gift of creation. 
for how it helps to lift us out of ourselves and to look up and be more attentive to you. Father, as we reflect on this this morning in our worship, we ask, Lord, that you'll also challenge us. Challenge us to think about being more faithful stewards of this creation. Challenge us to think about being better neighbours to one another, even at this time when we, we can't be physically close. And most of all, Father, challenge us to be faithful servants, faithful pilgrims, as we seek to journey after Christ. We pray all this in his name. Amen.
Another of the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 124, begins with the words, I rejoiced when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's one of the Psalms that most obviously draws out this theme of pilgrimage. The pilgrims are journeying towards the temple in Jerusalem. But, you know, reflecting on that psalm this summer reminded me that this period of lockdown is a bit of a pilgrimage for us. Because I would love to say to you, come on, let's go to church together. But we're not yet in a position where we can say that. And so we're on a journey. We're on a pilgrimage back towards church. And as I've thought about this, I've been thinking about the ways in which pilgrimage is actually quite similar to the experience we've all had during lockdown. I I listened to a a seminar online um, about this where some pilgrims were reflecting on their experience of pilgrimage in different parts of the world and their experience being locked down at home these past months. And they said actually they found it to be quite similar because pilgrimage really is marked by this repetitive routine of you get up, walk, eat, sleep, repeat. And hasn't that been what lockdown has been for most of us? We get up, we do our chores, our work, homeschooling, whatever it may be. We eat, maybe a bit too much, like in my case. We sleep and we repeat it all over again. Each day has been similar to the last. But what these pilgrims were encouraging me to think about and others is that it's in this routine, in this repetitive journeying, that actually we can get ourselves into a place where we're better able to listen to the voice of God in our lives. In particular, the the pilgrims encouraged us to think about three principles of pilgrimage that we've been able to enact in this time of lockdown. First, community support. Second, being present in the moment. And third, being aware of our surroundings. All these have been features of lockdown for us, haven't they? In one way or another. Well, it's the third I want us to focus on a little bit today because I think this is perhaps most relevant for us in this point of the pilgrimage as we journey back to church. Lockdown restrictions have eased and we all have the opportunity to enjoy some sort of staycation here on these shores. And it's an opportunity then to be aware and attentive to the beauty in our surroundings. This is a particular feature of the psalm we're going to be thinking about today, Psalm 125. Emma is going to read it for us now. Pay attention in particular to those first two verses where the psalmist encourages us to open our eyes, to look, to look at the mountains of faith. Psalm 125. A song of ascent. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. The scepter of the wicked will not remain over the land allotted to the righteous, for then the righteous might use their hands to do evil. Lord, Do good to those who are good, to those who are upright in heart. But those who turn to crooked ways, the Lord will banish with the evildoers. Peace be on Israel. Amen.
Let us pray that God's love will be known by people in misery. Beirut was a beautiful city that I was lucky enough to visit in 2006, just before war broke out. Now it is devastated in a matter of moments. Lives ended, bodies wounded and bloodied, homes destroyed, a community ragged and ripped apart. We pray for all those who are suffering and that state and religious leaders can take action to assist those poor people. We remember especially Joanna Blake and thank God for the fact that she is safe and we pray for her continued safety in Beirut. We pray for people whose lives are hard as they struggle to survive from day to day because of the tyranny of leaders and despots who drive them en masse from their homes and turn them into refugees or migrants. People who deserve to be protected in their own homelands and that world leaders will work towards restoring them to their rightful homes. Patricia Rybeck was a beautiful 20-year-old Polish girl murdered at her home in Newry last week. We pray for her, who suffered pain and fear at the hands of a murderer. And we pray for her grieving family and friends. We pray too for the family and friends of Leslie Watson, who are also grieving at this sad time. We pray for the talented young men in the Miami show band, who were murdered by cowardly men just outside Neary 45 years ago on the 31st of July 1975. 
and the sorrow endured by their families and friends. And for all victims and survivors whose lives were interrupted by the evil of our fellow countrymen who thought it appropriate to use violence and death to get their own selfish ways. I ask for your prayers for a young mother, Fiona, who had brain surgery last week to remove a tumour, and for everyone who is suffering with serious physical illness, and especially for people who are living with the knowledge and dread of a terminal diagnosis. We pray for people with mental health issues, post-traumatic stress disorder after horrific events such as being subjected to child sex abuse, and for those suffering with depression or suicidal thoughts. And we pray for the families who are left to grieve after suicides. We pray for those who are living with inner turmoil, who can't sleep with worry, especially young people trying to cope with the pressure to fit in with peer groups, struggling to be accepted and perhaps hiding secrets about their gender identities, and for people who are lonely and without real friends. For the simple worries of everyday life, I ask for your prayers for Shan, a young girl anxious about getting a job, and for everybody with ordinary everyday worries. Misery can be big and dramatic like Beirut or minuscule and invisible inside your head. And even though our faith teaches us that God loves us now and has a plan for us to enjoy his love in heaven, that somehow doesn't necessarily always ease the sorrows and the sadnesses. The mystifying miseries of life and the mystery of death are hard episodes in life. And so we pray for the strength and grace to let God in, especially when we are troubled with worries, with pain, with loneliness and fears, to let him love us and lift us out of the depths of our despairs. And for those whose hearts are breaking right now, with sadness, that they can know God's love. Amen.
The word unprecedented has been used a lot recently. It seems to be the only word available to us to describe some of the strange and surprising things happening in our world at the minute. Well, for those of you who know me pretty well, I'm willing to guess that one of the most unprecedented surprising things to come out of lockdown is that I joined Facebook. This is something I swore blind I would never do. In fact, I wore it as a bit of a badge of honour that I wasn't on it. And yet, lockdown happened, and in a moment of weakness, call it madness even, I joined. You know, it hasn't been that bad, if I'm honest. There's actually been lots of good stuff about it. One of the things I've enjoyed is seeing so many pictures people are posting of them out exploring nature. We've had pictures of flowers coming to bloom in people's back gardens, of the latest crop of vegetables of hikes in the morns and sunsets in the north coast. And it's been encouraging for me to see that so many of these pictures have been from my friends in Fitzroy. And that augurs well for today's sermon. Even our local weatherman has been taking notice. One of our members had his picture displayed on the BBC weather recently. Gary Burnett, it really was a fantastic picture and Barrett should have acknowledged it. Well, this attentiveness to nature is something I want to encourage. Because as I mentioned at the beginning of our service, awareness of our surroundings is an important feature of pilgrimage. And so in this sermon, I want to explore the idea of looking as a spiritual practice. We see this in Psalm 125, I think, in those first two verses that we're going to be focusing on in this sermon. The psalmist here calls the pilgrim to be attentive to her surroundings as she makes that journey towards Jerusalem. And of course, the hills feature prominently here. After all, what else is there for the pilgrim to look at on this long walk to Jerusalem? There are miles and hill- miles and miles of hills stretching everywhere. But something happens on this journey. As the pilgrim goes through that routine, that rhythm we talked about of get up, walk, eat, sleep, repeat. Something happens to her looking. She doesn't just notice the hills. She sees them. She looks at them and she recognises in them a metaphor for God's relationship with Israel. Now we're going to think about that a little more in a moment but first I just want to, to take a little minute to think a little bit more about this notion of looking as a spiritual practice. Because I want to suggest to you that this period of lockdown has been an opportunity to recover some spiritual disciplines. You see, there's a great temptation, isn't there, to write off the last few months as wasted time. I want to encourage you that that's not the case. Lockdown has provided us with an opportunity for some spiritual growth. In particular, a chance to slow down, to open our eyes and to look around us. Because as the fictional minister in Marilyn Robinson's novel Gilead puts it, this is an interesting planet and it deserves all the attention you can give it. I realise you might be a little confused, even suspicious of this idea of looking as a spiritual discipline. What on earth can this have to do with our faith formation? Well, if you need some convincing, let me bring in perhaps a surprising defender of my position here, the reformer John Calvin. Now, I I realise there might be some mixed feelings about Calvin out there. He hasn't, if we're honest, had great PR over the centuries. But Calvin had some really interesting things to say about the place of nature in our spiritual formation. 
He had a wonderful metaphor he used to describe the natural world. He called it the theatre of God's glory. It's a phrase that crops up again and again in his writing, in his commentaries and his sermons and of course in the Institutes. You see, Calvin believed that God's glory and goodness is manifest to us in creation and that because of that, it's the duty of every Christian to be attentive to it. In particular, Calvin believed that we should all as Christians be studying the stars. But of course, Calvin isn't saying anything new here. He's taking his lead from scripture. Scripture, of course, is full of references to um, God's glory being manifest in creation. Take the Psalms, for example. Maybe Psalm 19 in particular. This is a remarkable Psalm. This Psalm describes nature as actually preaching to us. Let me read to you the, the first few verses again. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. This psalm always reminds me of the opening line of one of my favourite poems. The world is charged with the grandeur of God. And it's the grandeur of God, I think, that Psalm 125 points us to. Because the psalmist here calls us to be attentive to God's grandeur in creation. In particular, he brings the mountains back into our view. And I say back into our view because if you're familiar with the Psalms of Ascent, you'll know that mountains feature quite prominently. In fact, they've already appeared in the Psalms that have come before Psalm 125. I'm thinking in particular of the one that we began our service with today, Psalm 121. Remember how it begins? I lift my eyes to the hills. It's interesting though that in that Psalm, the mountains, the hills feature negatively. They represent in that, in that instance, um, the fallacy of the pagan religion and the false hope that it offers. In contrast, the psalmist asks himself, where does my help come from if it doesn't come from the hills? And the answer, of course, is my help comes from the Lord, the one who made the hills, the maker of heaven and earth. I think we can appreciate maybe this negative take on the hills if we think about Psalm 121 in sequence. It comes perhaps at that early part of the pilgrimage. The pilgrims are a little bit further away from Jerusalem. And at that point on the road, the hills, of course, were dangerous places. Places where dangerous animals lurked, where highland robbers were waiting to pounce. So we understand perhaps why the hills feature so negatively there. But something changes as the pilgrim makes her way towards Jerusalem. As the pilgrim gets closer to that city on a hill, the hills change. They become a metaphor, not of something dangerous and threatening, but of safety and security. Being attentive to the surroundings reminds the pilgrim of God's protection over them as they journey. So we're going to look now at, at how that works out in the psalm by just focusing on these first two verses where we have two mountainous metaphors. Let's have a look again at the first one. Well, here we get this metaphor using Mount Zion, that hill upon which Jerusalem is built. And of course, it's a metaphor that speaks to the position of God's people. Those who put their trust in the Lord, says the psalmist, are like the hill upon which Jerusalem is built. They are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken and which endures forever. Now, this image is a really comforting one. It suggests that the, the, the life of faith is a solid life. It's secure. Its foundations are strong. That the pilgrim is not easily shaken off course, not easily knocked off foot. This really is a comforting image for us, isn't it? Particularly at this time. But I wonder how much we convey that in our own lives. 
I've been very aware traveling around different congregations as I've been training for ministry of how many empty pews there are in many of our churches. How there seems to be fewer and fewer people going to church on a Sunday. And with this sort of narrative of decline that there is out there, I think very often we convey this idea that um, the life of faith is something precarious. It's something not quite stable, that's a little bit insecure and wobbly. We worry about our young people staying in the church and we, we think about ways to try and keep them interested, to keep them going. And while we're doing that, we're always conveying this subliminal message that faith is precarious, it's shaky. Psalm 125 would tell us that that is not so. Yes, of course we are to nurture our faith. Of course we're to work at it. Like I said at the beginning, we are pilgrims journeying in the way. We're on our feet, we're walking. But that's not to say that the security of our faith is dependent on our own effort. Nor is it to say that our faith is not robust enough to face some of the challenges we might meet on the journey. You see, what I think the psalmist is telling us is that our faith is robust because of who it is our faith is in. I'm thinking here of a wonderful children's address that Roz McElwain gave at Fitzroy a couple of years ago now. It has stuck with me and it shows you how children's addresses very often speak more to the adults perhaps than even to the children. But Roz, um, maybe some of you will remember, she had uh, a child come up to the front and and asked the child to, to jump into her arms. And of course the child was very reluctant to do that. But whenever Roz brought the child's father onto the stage and asked the child to take that jump, well, the child did it without a second's thought. And the lesson from that was it doesn't matter. It's not so much how much faith we have, but who our faith is in that matters. You see, we can be sure that we are on firm footing because we trust in the Lord. We're following Jesus. And as the writer of Hebrews tells us, Jesus has both begun the race and finished the race ahead of us. I really like the way Eugene Peterson puts it in his uh, wonderful book on the Psalms of Ascent, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Let me read to you a little bit from it. The emphasis of Psalm 125 is not on the precariousness of the Christian life, but on its solidity. Living as a Christian is not walking a tightrope without a safety net, high above a breathless crowd, many of whom would like nothing better than a morbid thrill of seeing you fall. It is sitting, secure, in a fortress. Well, I realise I'm mixing my metaphors a little bit here. Walking, sitting, which one is it, Paul? Well, it's both, isn't it? The Christian life is about walking and sitting. Of course, Jesus says to us, come, follow me. But he also says, abide in me. Find your rest in me. So what I'm saying is don't buy in to this narrative of decline. Keep looking up to the mountains. Remember that your faith is solid, not shaky. Ours is a robust faith because it is secure in the hands of God. And this is where the psalmist now turns with this second mountainous metaphor. Let's have a look at it. This time, the hills around Mount Zion are taken as a symbol of God's protection over Israel. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. Again, there's something very comforting about this image, isn't there? The hills this time are imagined as great big arms wrapping themselves around Jerusalem, protecting God's people from harm. Of course, though, we're well aware that those hills didn't always protect God's people from harm. Sometimes the enemy prevailed. But don't think for a second that the psalmist isn't aware of this. Of course he is. He's far more aware of it than we are. In fact, there's a hint, I think, in verse 3 that this psalm may actually have been written at a time of occupation for Israel. And I don't know about you, but I find 
this metaphor all the more powerful because of that. Even at times of oppression, God's people can look out at those hills and be given a different perspective on their present circumstances. You see, that's what hills do for us, don't they? When we're up high and we look down, we get a different perspective on our problems. I'm reminded here of an illustration um, I think I've shared before in Fitzroy, so apologies for using it again, but it's a good one. It comes from a preacher that Emma and I uh, used to listen to online called Jack Rhoda. He's the retired pastor of Church of the Servant in Grand Rapids. We're a little bit familiar with Church of the Servant in Fitzroy. Jack one time was preaching about prayer and to try to describe to um, the people in his congregation what prayer should be, he asked them to imagine prayer being like coming to God or coming to Jesus with a great big sack thrown over your shoulder filled with all your worries and concerns and anxieties and when we pray we we open the sack and we lay everything out at Jesus feet and Jack's point was that what we should be doing is leaving them there and walking away with the empty sack but he said that so often what we do is we put our problems back into the sack and, and walk away with it again Later that week after he preached that sermon, a lady in the congregation got in touch with him to say, look, Jack, I admired your effort and I I quite liked your illustration, but to be honest, it just doesn't ring true with me. You see, prayer is different for me. It's not that I leave my problems at Christ's feet, but when I pray, I'm given a different perspective on them. I'm able to see my worries and concerns from the perspective of God. And I think that's what these mountains of faith do for Israel. They give them a different perspective. Having a relationship with the living God does not take our problems away. I think all of us know that, don't we? Tragedy befalls us in this life. And I think maybe this is why many of us like to be out in nature when we pray. I don't know about you, but some of the the most meaningful times of prayer that I've had in my life have been when I've been up in the mountains, up high. A chance to to get that perspective and to, to listen perhaps more carefully to what God might be saying to me. And you know, again, I, I find Peterson really helpful here, um, giving me the, an image to help me understand this idea of perspective. Um, He imagines Israel's history as a saw-toothed history, he describes it, a saw-toothed history. He imagines the blade of a saw, and you'll know how it goes. The blade goes up and down, up and down, up and down. But there's also a continuity to it. It goes along, and that up and down motion helps to cut the wood. And what um, Peterson is saying here is that, well, Israel's history is a bit like that. There are ups and downs in their journey with God. But there's also a constant. There's also an intentionality about it. And that constant is the presence of God with Israel. God abiding with his people. What Steve has been talking about so often in Fitzroy these past couple of years. God with us. Peterson puts it like this. God is steadfastly with his people in mercy and in judgment. Insistently gracious. We get the feeling that everything is done in the sure, certain environment that God redeems his people. You know, Fitzroy, we can be sure that God is steadfastly with us in the ups and the downs, in mercy and in judgment, insistently gracious. I've mentioned Steve a couple of times in this sermon and I'm going to mention him again as we draw to a close because I want to just bring you back to that lovely metaphor he introduced to us a couple of weeks ago that rock on Ballycastle Beach do you remember he talked about how so much on the beach changes throughout the day and the seasons of the year but that rock stays the same and that rock for Steve has become a metaphor of God's abiding presence in his life well here's my challenge to you today find your rock Find your mountain of faith, whether it's on Ballycastle Beach, the Judean Hills, the Mourne Mountains, wherever. Where is it that you can look to in nature to see a monument of God's faithfulness in your life? Perhaps there's a a place you can think of already where where you feel that closeness, that connection to God. 
but maybe you haven't found one yet. Well, if that's the case, see this staycation period as an opportunity to find that rock, to find that metaphor, to be attentive in the theatre of God's glory. In the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Fitzroy, we're now at the end of our service. You'll have noticed that I began recording today in the morning and it's now evening. I can assure you I haven't been on this mountain all day. My first attempt at the sermon got sabotaged by a thunderstorm. There was lightning as well, so I had to come back a little bit later. But I'm glad I did because I got to enjoy this beautiful place in some evening light. And I hope you've appreciated having this backdrop during worship today as well. I just want to thank a few people as we finish. I want to thank Esther and Daniel for welcoming us and for Emma for, Emma for um, reading so well. And of course, to Anna and Michael for leading us in praise. And to whoever it was who led us in our prayers of intercession, I'm afraid I didn't know who that was at the time of recording. And of course, to Peter Greer for putting all of this together like those on the tech team do so well every week. We really appreciate it. 
And as we finish, remember, we can't meet for a cup of tea or coffee, but we can call each other. We can text each other and let one another know that we're thinking of each other. And of course, prayer ministry is not available after church, but if you do need prayer, get in touch and there'll be somebody will pray for you. Can I also encourage you today to go outside after the service, um, enjoy your surroundings, be attentive, look around, pay attention in the theatre of God's glory. And now as the sun is setting on the Black Mountain, let me share the words of, a gra- of the grace as a blessing over you today. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.